Welcome to this podcast produced by Imagine, an online source focusing on early childhood music therapy. Imagine is sponsored by the American Music Therapy Association and can be found on the web at www.imagine.musictherapy.biz. This podcast is entitled Moving Beyond Moo Kao Moo, Targeted Song-Based Language Experiences for Young Children, and presented by Kathy Cano. Kathy has provided music therapy services to groups and individuals of all ages, including early childhood in schools, residential facilities, clinics, and private practice since 1974. Kathy writes and produces daily podcasts for FAQAutism.com, writes and publishes professional online self-study courses for www.musicworkspublications.com, and coordinates the AMTA Pro podcast series. Hello, my name is Kathy Canal. I'm a music therapist, and I've worked for many years in public school early childhood programs. Interestingly, though, no matter what their diagnosis, no matter the reason they came for music therapy, every single youngster has had goals and objectives in their IEP or in other treatment plans that address language skills and effective communication. So we as music therapists need to work on targeting our song-based therapy um, toward language experiences, toward the specific language experiences needed for that specific child. So we want to move past the sing-along style where we find cute kids' songs, these great kids' songs, and want to share those with the kids. There's certainly nothing wrong with doing that um, and having great everyone join in and learn all these great songs. But at the same time as therapists, we're um, obligated to move past that sing-along stage and target their music experiences toward their specific goals and objectives. And language and communication goals that are commonly addressed in music therapy cover really a broad array of skills, ranging from very basic language, such as vocalizing at all, just making any sound, and then purposefully vocalizing or pointing to familiar objects on command or pointing to indicate their choices, and then all the way up to more sophisticated communication, such as answering questions, expressing emotions appropriately, using phrases and sentences, uh, conversing on an age-appropriate level, and, and many other um, issues. And if you look at the resources that are uh, in the text section of this podcast, you'll see resources about language and communication for preschoolers in Music Therapy Perspectives and the Journal for Music Therapy, um, some um, books and texts that are published by AMTA, and other resources. Although traditional children's songs provide opportunities uh, for addressing these language goals and objectives, many of them focus on just a narrow range of topics. If you notice, if you take the top 40 favorite preschooler children's songs, most of them involve animal sounds. And that's the reason the name of this podcast is Moving Beyond Moo Cow Moo. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. That's wonderful. But we want to be able to move past that toward um, functional skills that they might use more readily in their daily life. Um, and also, there are lots of songs, children's songs with nonsense lyrics. So I have a number of youngsters with autism and other issues that cause them to um, interpret language very literally. So think how confusing it is if they hear 
a song like, there was an old lady who swallowed a fly. I don't know why she swallowed a fly. Perhaps she'll die. Well, that, that opens up a whole can of worms for some of my kids. Or a language like, all around the mulberry bush, the monkey chased the weasel. So why would a monkey chase and what is a weasel? <laughs> so there are lots of, lots of issues that come up with our with um, songs that have imaginary topics or nonsense lyrics. Um, the music therapist, of course, doesn't start this planning process with the song. We don't find a great song, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands, and then try to bend and shape the child's language goals and objectives to fit into the song. We go the other way around. We begin with assessment to determine what their target areas are, what, what skills do we need to either focus, either teach, or help them practice. And then we move to creating, as it says in our scope of practice for the CBMT Certification Board for Music Therapists, um, music therapy experiences that address client goals and objectives. So in early childhood settings, the music therapy interventions can feature traditional children's songs, of course, but in many cases, the music therapist must branch out and develop new songs that set the occasion for systematically learning these new concepts and for practicing newly developed um, language and communication skills. So we're talking about approaching it from the planning point of view rather than sort of prescriptive songs, if you will, um, instead of a sing-along point of view. So we're going to look at a few clinical examples, a few things that have worked well in my practice, and those are just to get you started, get your thought process started so you can do the same. And you'll notice that in every song that I use in, as an example, there are four elements. Number one is repetitive ly lyrics that focus directly on one specific target skill. And then number two, songs that include opportunities for children to repeat targeted phrases and words, not to just listen and hope that they'll absorb it, but then they get to practice during the song. They repeat targeted phrases or words. And then number three, there are attention-grabbing melodies and rhythms um, that encourage active participation and learning. Not, not just, sometimes, sometimes children's songs can be very bland, and we move past that to more sophisticated rhythms and melodies. And then number four, lyrics that can be easily adapted to different concepts and skills based upon that uh, particular child's target goals and objectives. So, we as therapists use the songs then to move to the next step. Um, all of us tend to find a favorite song and stick with that for the whole year. <laughs> and we fail to teach new concepts and move on to the next step and to challenge the kid to move on to a more sophisticated skill, a more difficult skill once they've uh, mastered one skill. So take, um, keep those four elements in mind as you're developing songs for youngsters in therapy that target language and communication skills. And so now we're going to um, give you a few examples. One is prepositions and spatial concepts. In preschool settings, teachers often ask youngsters to stand behind their chairs or put their backpacks beside the table or sit down in front of the box. Now, some youngsters, of course, pick up on the prepositional concepts very easily but others need to be systematically taught and they need to be able to practice those prepositional concepts. Um, for example, some of my music therapy um, uh, preschoolers 
they have a tendency to interpret language very literally, and so they might not understand the phrase that says, stand behind your chair. Um, I've had a number of youngsters over the years who think that that means to stand with their behind or their bottom in front of the chair. And so the Hey Everybody song gives kids opportunities to physically practice new spatial concepts um, that are easily adapted. These songs are easily adapted to teach different prepositions and new spatial concepts, and they allow um, for the expansion then to, the, to learn those new concepts once they've mastered one. So let's take a look at Hey Everybody. So I'll stand, I'll just hold my guitar and have the kids be good listeners, and I'll um, uh, stand, for example, behind my chair, and I'll say, Hey, everybody, look at me. I am behind my chair. I'm behind my chair. And then I'll say, everybody stand up. Say, hey, everybody, stand like me. Stand behind your chair. Stand behind your chair. And then we might change that. A lot of kids get uh, really confused with behind and beside. And so I'll say, hey, everybody, look at me. I am beside my chair. I'm beside my chair. And I say, hey, everybody, stand like me. Stand beside your chair. Are you beside your chair? And, of course, we interrupt the song or have, uh, if there aren't classroom mates and teachers to help the kids move to those spaces, I'll help them move to those spaces. And one of the favorite endings of this song is nearly every kid just breaks down in laughter when I do this verse. I try to get under this little teeny-weeny early childhood chair uh, with my guitar and my whole self under my chair. And of course, I can't do it, and so the kids break out in gales of laughter. I'll say, hey, everybody, look at me. I'm trying to get under my chair. I can't get under my chair. Then I have them get under their chair. Hey, everybody, get like me. Get under your chair. All kids under your chair. So we can use that song to teach all sorts of prepositions and spatial concepts. Another big, um, big emphasis in early childhood is counting and numbers. A familiar songs such as This Old Man and Five Little Speckled Frogs and all those other songs do introduce numbers, but it's really pretty much just the sequence of numbers. Speaking of This Old Man, think about that. <laughs> Those lyrics. This old man, he played one. He played knick-knack on my thumb. What's knick-knack? With a knick-knack paddywhack. Hmm, what's a paddywhack? Give a dog a bone. This old man came rolling home. A man? An old man came rolling home? It's really confusing to kids. But um, they're fun songs, of course. and We don't want to discourage you from using those, but sometimes... Preschoolers need to move beyond simply reciting number sequences, beyond just counting, one, two, three, four. For example, in a lot of preschool and family settings in daily life, kids are required to answer questions like this, how many crayons do you have? Or 
how many um, pieces of toast do you want? Uh, they might need to follow directions, like put three cookies on your plate. Um, so these songs, um, here are a couple of songs that have proven effective over the years in uh, teaching kids the, to answer the question, how many, um, by, but at the same time capturing their attention with the music and motivating them to learn and practice these numerical concepts instead of just, um, you know, rote learning. So let's see, we'll use the bells for this one, and we might say... Um, how many bells do you see? Look very closely, how many do you see? How many bells do you see? Or I might say, does um, Felice see? I'll say the kid's name, and I wait for the answer. And if they tell me the correct answer, we say, yes, you see four bells. And if they say an incorrect answer, I say, let's count them together. Look, we have one, two, three, four. How many bells? Four. A lot of times kids can count to four, but then they can't translate that to answer the question, how many? So we always ask the question, how many bells? And then they answer. And then I'll give them a stick, and they can play the bell bells with me while I sing whatever. Let's play the bells, you and me. We play four bells, one, two, three, four. How many bells are we playing? We are playing four bells. How many four bells? And then we rest, put the mallet up on our shoulder. All the kids learned how to do that, so it's not just chaos in the music department. Um, then we might uh, follow, follow up on that with once they can tell me how many bells there are, then we'll have them use that in action. So let's see, I might say like, give me two, give me two, give me two drumsticks, give me two, um, or pick out three, pick out three, pick out three books from the case, pick out three. Um, and what I do as a therapist is I look in their daily life and try to figure out what is it that they need to do. What are teachers and parents and people around them asking them to do that's related to numbers? And then I fit that within the song. So if a kid um, uh, doesn't pick out their own toys or pick out their own cookies or whatever, isn't able to do that or that isn't part of their daily routine, then I wouldn't use that as a, as the lyrics, I use lyrics that are applicable right to their daily routine. And another thing I do is I go into the kindergarten rooms where they'll be heading next, and I hang around and see what kinds of directions the teachers give that are related to numbers, and then I fit those types of directions into our songs of how many or give me two or whatever um, number-related songs. And really not only the number-related songs, but all of the songs that we do, sort of getting, helping them get ready for kindergarten in the event they're able to go to a typical kindergarten classroom, find out where they're going next, next year, and then spend that whole year getting them ready for the next phase in their lives, for practical things that they're actually going to encounter in their lives. Of course, one very popular thing is to teach a kid how to say their name. Um, I like to use a mirror, and um, that way they can look at themselves and, and really understand that their name is associated with them personally. 
um, teach them to answer this question, what is your name? Some kids get the, the prepositions mixed up. Um, and so you want to, if you use a mirror, that helps them associate their name with that particular face. Um, one of my youngsters really struggled with this for a long time. And so finally, um, we, this, she really, um, really responded to guitar and sort of quiet singing. And so in an individual session, I would have the mirror for her. First, she couldn't look at the mirror. It's a little bit too much sensory stimulation, but eventually she got to where she could. And then I would sing, Look in the mirror, who do I see? Who is that pretty girl looking out at me? What is your name? Now, originally, she wasn't able to use sentences and phrases, so I would point to her face in the mirror and say, My name is... And then I would wait. Sometimes I'd hate, wait, have to wait for a very long time. But eventually, she would say, Ashley. And I'd say, You are Ashley. Ashley Baker. And over time, she was able to learn to say, my name is Ashley Baker. But it took some time, and she really responded well to that song. Not all kids like rowdy, upbeat, hand-clapping, toe-tapping songs. Um, some kids really like um, quieter and um, more focused songs. Um, the guitar is really good for that, too. And then after once they know what their name is, then... The next step is to help them learn to identify other people, parents and teachers, by name. So, for example, if a youngster gets separated from his class in the lunchroom at a preschool, then he can answer this question, who is your teacher? Usually they'll answer that by saying teacher. And if a kid gets separated from their mom at a grocery store, it's really helpful if she can identify her, her parent by name rather than when being asked, who is your mom, she answers mommy. <laughs> it's kind of difficult for a grocery store person to uh, find a person whose name is Mommy. Probably lots of mommies in the grocery store. And so um, we'll use the drum for this. We might say, I, I will say, who is your teacher? And they'll have a drumstick. And I will, um, after they say, my teacher's Miss Baker. Or they might just be able to say, Baker. Whatever they, whatever they are able to respond, then I hold the drum right in front of them so that they can tap whatever they want to tap on the drum. Then I have them rest, putting their mallet on their shoulder, and I move the drum away. And then I say, who is your mom? And then eventually, with practice, most of the kids can learn to say Janet Salinas or my mom is Janet Salinas or whatever. We need to remember that a lot of kids, they don't have the same last name as their parents, and so we really need to teach them their first name and their last name. Um, so if, if you say, who is your teacher? And they say, my teacher is Miss Baker, and then they can play whatever rhythm they want to on the thing. We don't have a certain rhythm they need to play, but then they rest. Who is your mom? My mom is Janet Salinas. I hold the drum in front of them and then they get to play. Then we have, use, have the 
parents and teachers and people in the classroom and wherever they are um, have other people do this same little song with them, maybe with just tapping on their knees or clapping their hands, or if they have a drum, using a drum. Another thing that a lot of youngsters really struggle with is being able to ask for help. Um, some kids just don't have the natural ability of initiating language. And some kids, when they get frustrated, they just don't know how to express that. They don't need, know how to express or verbalize their needs, and they don't know how to ask for help. And so they start whining or crying or screaming or grabbing or throwing or scratching, whatever they do. Nearly, Well, I have a number of youngsters who have a, a great deal of, of problem with this. And how do we typically respond? Um, you know, it's just natural. We say, don't whine or don't cry or quit doing that. Or we might even be really sweet and say, tell me what you want. Well, the thing is, if the kid could tell you what they want, they probably never would have gotten um, into that level of frustration. They don't always know what they want. Or they don't know how to tell you what it is that they want. Um, and so that's up to us then to <laughs> help the kids with that. Um, they, they can be very frustrated and they need to learn to ask for a helping hand. And so I use songs that teach useful phrases and that use a cue to help elicit that response. And so this little chant is, I've used for years and years, and it's not only for the kid to learn the appropriate response, but it's for us, the therapist and the teachers, the families, the school bus driver, the cafeteria worker, no matter, grandma, anybody that's around the kid, help teach us the cue. What's the appropriate response when the kid starts crying or screaming or whining? Instead of fussing at them and yelling louder and louder and louder at them, what can we, what cue can we use that gets them to respond appropriately? And so the cue is need some help. And then the kid learns to say, help, please. And so we say, need some help. Say, help, please. Need some help. Say, help, please. If we have an instrument, we might say, need some help. Say, help. Please, need some help? Say, help, please. But a lot of times I don't use instruments because families don't, and school bus drivers and such, don't necessarily have instruments with them. So it make it very accessible song or a chant that anybody can use um, in their daily, in the kids' daily routine. So the, we learn to say, need some help in response to their being upset. And then over time, they learn to say, help, please. Kids who can't say it, of course, can learn to sign it. And so um, those are the kinds of things that we can use as music therapists. We can look again at their daily lives, see where the issues are, where are the problems, and then what can we do to help address those problems and help the youngster and the people around them learn appropriate responses. Along the same lines as expressing emotions appropriately, in addition to communicating just their basic needs, young children often need some assistance knowing how to express frustration or anger or disappointment. And we can't just expect a kid to never get mad. We get mad, they get mad. We just need to help them learn to express it appropriately. So I use a song that's piggybacked onto that familiar tune, If You're Happy and You Know It, because that's a song that all moms kind of know, and so the kids can. This is a song that, again, families and teachers can sing to the kid. 
at home or at school whenever they see him get mad. So the kids really enjoy this song even when they're not mad. If you're mad and you know it, say grrr. And I get a really yucky look on my face and say grrr really loud. If you're mad and you know it, say grrr. If you're mad and you know it, then your face will surely show it. If you're mad and you know it, say grrr. I also teach the kids to fold their arms. I forgot to say that. Fold their arms real tightly and say grrr or hold their hands, clench their hands together really tightly. And that keeps kids from hitting and grabbing and throwing and scratching other people. Some of the things that a lot of my kids, youngsters, tend to do when they get very angry or frustrated. Um, I also teach kids to, um, some kids, to turn away. Um, so they'll actually turn around and not say grr and fold their arms and just look mad, just have a mad look on their face. If you're mad and you know it, turn away. Mm. If you're mad and you know it, turn away. Mm. If you're mad and you know it, then your face will surely show it. If you're mad and you know it, turn away. Mm. So that's just another example of a way of teaching a kid a specific skill um, that will help bring a lot of peace and contentment <laughs> in their lives and the lives of the people around them. You notice that I don't automatically use instruments or rowdy songs and lots of, motion, of uh, motions and activity. Um, sometimes for some kids and in some situations, that can be very distracting. But in other cases, it helps grab their attention and helps them maintain their attention. So you as a therapist need to discern when is it that you use instruments and when is it the instruments are distracting? When is it that you do rowdy, loud, fun songs? And when is it that you're more quiet and calm? When is it that you teach the kids motions and actions to the song? And when is it when you teach them to keep their hands on their knees? Um, you just There are different needs, different kids, and different situations. And so as therapists, we need to take a look at that and not just um, follow what's always done with different songs, but um, to adapt them. For example, in the song, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands and shout hooray and all this kind of wild and crazy stuff. Sometimes I say, if you're happy and you know it, then touch your nose. And they touch your nose very quietly and everything gets very quiet. Or touch your ears. Um, touch your eyebrows, whatever. And help the kids become more calm. So in conclusion here, um, music therapy in early childhood really moves beyond gathering young children around and singing familiar popular songs. That's a great thing to do. But in addition to that, music therapy is a natural setting for eliciting personal interaction, encouraging spontaneous conversation, and building on specific language skills, um, systematically moving forward and introducing more and more sophisticated language skills, and then also addressing language skills that are needed in their daily life, in the daily life of that particular child. So we can use targeted music experiences that are customized by the therapist to address the specific goals in that child's IEP or training plan or therapy plan and build new language skills. And those are the keys to maximizing music and therapy for young children who need a boost um, to develop their language and communication skills.
Thanks for listening to this Imagine podcast produced in 2011.